Hello and welcome to MacPreneur, the show that explores how entrepreneurs from all around the world run their business on Apple Gear. My name is Damien Schroes and here we go for episode 12. So, unlike the first 10 episodes of the show, I am releasing a three-part series showing you the behind-the-scenes of my freelance Apple training and consulting business. In last episode, I've gone through my Mac setup and it was jam-packed with hardware and software gems, so if you haven't listened to it yet, I highly recommend you to check it out. In this episode, I'll talk about my Apple mobile devices and how they integrate in my workflows by complementing what I do on my Macs. Finally, in next episode, I'll do a deep dive into the various online services that allow me to bridge the gap between Mac and iOS and those that make my life easier through web automation. So today we talk about iOS. Uh, truth to be told, it's by far the platform that has the biggest presence in my household. So funnily enough, at the time of recording, all together with my wife, my two kids and myself, we are using six iPhones, six iPads and six iPod Touches, all in functioning order. Um, the oldest one of all and my very first iOS device is a second generation iPod Touch running iOS 4.2.1. Now, when speaking specifically about my business, out of those 18 devices, there are three main ones that I use on a daily basis. An iPhone 8 Plus, an iPad Mini 4, and a 6th generation iPod Touch. And uh, six others that I use from time to time when I run, run iPad coding classes for children or when I do some consulting gig. The thing is, I've made sure to have at least one device running any version of iOS since version 6 so that I can quickly do some research whenever I need to. Today I'll also talk about the, the cousins of iOS, namely watchOS and tvOS, because they play a big role in helping me serving my clients as well. So here's how the episode has been structured. First, I'll go through my iPhone 8 Plus and its two main accessories, my Apple Watch and the AirPods. Then you'll discover why I chose the iPad Mini 4. And then I'll mention briefly the other iPads that, uh, that play a small role in my business. Finally, I'll reveal the main purpose of my 6th generation iPod Touch. And before closing this episode, there will be two traditional segments of the show my uh, haha moments or some discoveries that I've made as well as potential future purchases. So let's start then with my iPhone 8 Plus. It's a 256 GB model in a space gray which I bought uh, late last year so it was well actually I bought it um, as soon as it was released. I, I remember I uh, favorited it in, uh, in the Apple Store app on my iPhone 6, which was the, the previous uh, device. Uh, 
and um, it was a Friday morning, something like that, um, because of the time difference, uh, midnight uh, Pacific time was something like uh, 8 in the morning or 9 in the morning uh, for me in Luxembourg. So I remember that I was uh, frantically <laughs> refreshing the Apple uh, Store app on my iPhone 6 so that I could order among the first devices that were available in, in Luxembourg. And the idea was for me to have it shipped by the, the next week so that I would have it before going on a trip and uh, specifically going to Austin, Texas for the Sean West conference that I've mentioned a couple of times in the show. So in terms of accessories, I have the 42mm Series 3 Nike Plus Apple Watch in uh, space grey. It's the um, Wi-Fi model. I didn't feel the need to have the Wi-Fi and cellular and in addition in Luxembourg there is no carrier at the moment that is actually offering uh, any cellular plan for the Apple Watch so even if I had wanted to I, it was not an option but in my case I'm very happy with the Wi-Fi only uh, version. The main benefit of having an Apple Watch is that it allows me to stay productive and connected while reducing the need to pick up my iPhone. I've also bought some AirPods, um, which I think in previous shows I've already explained why I, I love them so much. It's um, such a pleasurable experience, the, um, the pairing, the, the fact that we can program the behavior of tapping on the left versus the right earbuds. Um, something that I did not mention in, in previous episodes of Macpreneur is that even though they, they stay quite well in the ear, they are not actually designed uh, for intensive uh, workouts. So they are not sweat resistant or water resistant, meaning that um, if, you, if you want to use it for walking, power walks, that's, that's okay. But if you intend to go running or doing some uh, heavy exercises, uh, cardiovascular exercises, then it's better to go with dedicated sports, Bluetooth headsets or wired headsets or something that has been designed for situations where the, you, may, you may sweat a lot. I have uh, kept my old um, Fitbit Charge 2 um, mainly for sleep tracking because um, this is where I have the, the history of my some, some sleep history and unfortunately Fitbit does not share the data with uh, the Apple Health app and also because I want to preserve the, the, the battery of the Apple Watch I finally decided, okay, for sleep tracking, I will keep the Fitbit still working very well. And then I use my Apple Watch during the day. In addition, because the iPhone 8 Plus has a wireless charging capability, I have bought an Anchor PowerPort Wireless 10 inductive charger. And I keep that one on the desk near my iMac. 
and so that's um, that's the ritual of for me in the evening i put the iphone on the wireless charger and uh, in the morning i i pick it up the thing is fun, funny uh, behavior is that i would say every two weeks or so or sometimes even earlier than that I need to do a, a soft reset of the iPhone because it doesn't charge uh, to 100% anymore. It's uh, getting stuck between 25 and 50% charge. And so there, there must be something that's uh, going a bit fishy with the, with the wireless uh, charging. Uh, either it's, it's because of compatibility with Anchor or because there is a bug uh, on the iPhone, I don't know. But uh, the thing is, when uh, it, it happened, uh, so quite a lot of time now, when uh, in the morning I pick up the iPhone and it's, uh, it's not even 50% 50, 50 charged. And uh, so the, the countermeasure is quite uh, simple, uh, really. It's a, it's a soft reset, so uh, a home button and... Uh, and the on-off switch until the screen becomes black and uh, the memory is flushed. And after that, it's charging well uh, on the wireless charger. In terms of applications, um, this time I've uh, put them in categories. So if I look at the productivity category, one app that I use uh, almost every day is the Dew app. So Dew is a reminder on steroids. And unlike the Reminders app, whenever, let's say, you put a reminder at a certain point in time, you get a notification and that's about it. If you don't do anything, well, you're not reminded uh, anymore. You have one notification and, and that's it. With Dew, you can actually configure it in such a way that it will pester you and on purpose every five minutes or every 10 minutes you, you decide actually. And so for things that really I, I really need these to be done, but maybe I cannot do them uh, on the spot, uh, at least with you, I will have multiple uh, notifications. So every five minutes, there will be a notification on my phone and on my watch telling me that... Uh, yeah, there's uh, something that uh, I need to do. So I use the Dew app for uh, menial tasks or reminders for really project-related uh, items, uh, to-do items. I use Todoist. And what I like about Todoist is the natural language processing for inputting tasks. So you can write uh, the task and then if you have different projects, it's uh, very easy to put them and especially for dates. So you could uh, just say every third Friday starting and then you give a date and it will automatically create the correct recurring settings. Now, there's uh, another app that I've put in the productivity category called PZZ, <laughs> P-Z-I-Z-Z, -Z, uh, Z -Z. It's, um, 
it's an app that I use in two ways. Uh, first, uh, I use it for my power naps. So almost every day after lunchtime, I do a 16 to 20 minute power nap. So it's a guided uh, meditation if you want. It's not really, I'm not sleeping. It's, uh, it's more a way for me to, to relax, to let my brain actually release and and uh, and i learned also through this guided meditation i learned to concentrate and not only to concentrate but also to let go of some thoughts so when my mind wanders uh, thanks to the, the the voice it actually helps me to uh, refocus on myself and um, focus on my breathing and and even though it doesn't sound like a lot of time 16 to 20 minutes it's actually enough for me to it's a bit like a reset button and to be uh, very productive in the afternoon much much more productive than if i would uh, try to power through actually the second way that this is help me be productive is through another mode that it has in the app and it's called focus and so through the focus functionality it's creating a track it's a it's a special track that helps you actually concentrate while working and i like that a lot because it, it helps me stay in the zone and uh, it's um, it's difficult to explain actually. So the the best is to to try it out. So Pieces is a free app, and so you have basic music or basic themes that you can use for free. And then if you want more advanced uh, or a bigger selection of uh, music or tracks for the nap or for the focus sessions, then there is a a monthly or yeah, monthly subscription that you pay through iTunes. It's uh, overall, uh, it's something that helps me a lot. And um, th there are other applications, the similar applications. Uh, I think about something like Focus at Will. I'm not sure if they have an iOS app, but um, yeah, there there are other apps like that. And in my case, I. I happen to like uh, pieces enough to now pay for the monthly subscription. Just by the way, there is a third mode, which is called sleep mode. And uh, it's uh, another kind of guided music track where there is a voice that helps you uh, go to sleep, actually. In the next section, it's uh, the security section. Uh, there is an app that has been uh, mentioned quite a lot of time in uh, in the in the show. It's called One Password. Now, One Password on the iPhone is really uh, it's a, it's a blast, especially with uh, an iPhone uh, which has Touch ID. Uh, I have not used uh, the iPhone 10, so I I cannot tell you with uh, face recognition. But at least with uh, Touch ID, one password is really great to great to use. Uh, it integrates very well, 
uh, with uh, Safari through the share sheet. It has its own uh, built-in browser. And uh, yeah, overall, uh, that's my password manager of choice. Another security-related app is uh, Authy, A-U-T-H-Y. And this app is specifically built to store the second uh, factor in uh, the two-factor authentication. And uh, even though I have, uh, I'm using that feature with one password, I like to have a kind of a, of a backup system and to have it uh, in Authy as well. Now, another tool that I, I believe is a, is a must on mobile devices, it's called TunnelBear. And what TunnelBear is, it's a VPN or virtual private network system. And it allows to surf uh, securely even when connected to non-secure Wi-Fi access points. And what it prevents is uh, what we call in the security jargon, it's a man-in-the-middle attack. So meaning that if some of the traffic and mostly email, for instance, is not encrypted, this traffic is uh, sniffable by somebody who is uh, sharing the same Wi-Fi access point, especially the unsecured ones. And so by using a VPN, you are actually creating an encrypted tunnel between your device, and in this case, it's TunnelBear server somewhere in the world. And uh, this is great because anything that an attacker could see uh, is gibberish uh, traffic. They, they are not able to see anything in the clear, even your, your emails. Now, from the same company, I use another tool called BlockBear. And uh, this is a content blocker for Safari, for mobile version of Safari. And uh, BlockBear is great because it's free. It's simple to install and to use. And uh, it can block uh, four different kinds of things. So it can block ads, it can block social buttons, it can block uh, tracking scripts, and it can block uh, fonts, so third-party fonts. Um, and you can decide actually which one you want to block, which one of those you want to block, and which one you want to allow by default. And in addition to that, through the share sheet, it's possible to whitelist a site, meaning that uh, if you want to support a site with a advertisement, you can say to BlockBear, okay, this site allow advertisement and for the others block them. I like to have this additional uh, protection when, when I serve the web and on mobile devices especially, especially when uh, connected to 4G or 3G, it also reduces the, the bandwidth that is consumed. So not only do you surf faster, but also it's better when looking at your uh, data plan. So it's, it's overall a, a great solution. Uh, 
Now, if you want to go one step further in uh, content blocking, then I suggest to use another tool that's called uh, One Blocker X, which is uh, paid, but it's uh, it has all the bells and whistles that you could imagine from a, a content blocker. It has even a Touch ID protection, so that you need Touch ID in order to change the the settings. And um, yeah, so this is uh, this is really great. And actually, you can use both together. There is nothing preventing you from having multiple content blockers. The next section that I uh, decided to to look at is uh, continuous learning. And for that, uh, there are two apps that I use on a daily basis. The first one is called Pocket Cast. So this is my uh, podcast uh, listening uh, app of choice. It has an uh, Apple Watch app as well. And overall, I can really fine-tune which podcasts are automatically downloaded. You can change the playback speed. And it has also a trim silence functionality. So it's uh, further speeding up and reducing the time for listening uh, to your podcast. The next one is called Feedly. And in Feedly... Uh, I use that to follow uh, a bunch of uh, blogs and to keep informed about uh, Apple news and and also security and technology related news. So there are a couple of websites that I uh, follow and this is part of my morning routine. Actually, after waking up, I drink about a liter of water and uh, while doing that, because you don't drink that in, in one go, while doing that, I go through my favorites in Feedly, and namely it's the imore.com blog, it's also the Apple Toolbox, and two security-focused blogs, The Hacker News and Krebs on Security. For the articles that I want to share on Twitter, I have connected Feedly with another service called Pocket, for which also I have the app on my iPhone. And so long pressing on an article in Feedly automatically makes it uh, appear in Pocket, which is really great. And then uh, in Pocket, I can choose which one I want to share on Twitter, and add some uh, hashtags and so on. The next category is finance. And there, there are three apps that I use on my phone. First of all, the FreshBooks app, because this is the service that I'm using to create invoices and track invoices for my customers. The second one is Stripe. It's the payment processor that I've chosen and uh, connect it to my EasyTech website that's running on Squarespace. And so I can keep track of the payments made by my customers. Yeah, I forgot to mention that I also have hooked up FreshBooks with Stripe. 
So whenever one of my customers pays an invoice directly through a credit card from within the invoice, then I get a notification on my phone via the Stripe app. The third app in the finance category that I use is called YNAB, so you need a budget. It's uh, still the classic version, meaning that it's uh, the version of the app where the database, the, the budget database, is synchronized through Dropbox. Last year or two years ago, they've transitioned to a subscription model so it's uh, $7 per month and so they host now the budget database and then you pay for the synchronization uh, service. Well, they still offer for previous customers of YNAB4, they still offer the, the, the support and, and the service. So I've decided that for the time being, I will stay with the current model where I take care of synchronizing everything through Dropbox and I will see how long they will keep the application compatible with the latest version of iOS and macOS. The next category of apps is marketing. There the first app is Pocket, which I mentioned already. So whenever I have selected a bunch of articles, uh, I will read them in Pocket because in some cases like the Hacker News, in Feedly, I only get a preview of the article, the first uh, paragraph usually of the article. So if I really want to read it, I need to open it in, in something else, or in this case in Pocket. Now for the articles that I want to publish on Twitter, what I will do is I will add some tags which, which contain the, the hashtag, the pound sign. And then I have set up a, a system with IFTTT, which I will explain in the next episode, in such a way that whenever I favorite an article in Pocket, this article will be published um, on Twitter via the Buffer application. And Buffer is actually the, the next app that I use on my iPhone. So with the Buffer app, I can check how filled is the buffer of tweets or LinkedIn or Google Plus articles. So those that I've selected and already prepared to be published in my, uh, in my feed. The last app in the marketing section is uh, Facebook ads. So from time to time, I may run ads on Facebook to promote some uh, iPad coding workshops, uh, for instance, or other kinds of uh, training classes that I offer. And so with the mobile app, the iPhone app, I can track how many views, how many clicks and I can uh, actually on the go uh, even decide to change the budget if I wanted to. The next category that I have chosen is called operations. There, there is one app that I use when I do my initial 
client uh, meeting it's a diagnostic usually that i do it's a free diagnostic and for that there is a service called iAuditor for which i have developed um, specific checklists so different diagnostics and different audits uh, security audits or general audits and so it's very nice because directly on the phone i can proceed to actually answer the different questions that I have prepared. You can even uh, take pictures and add pictures to your diagnostic uh, report. And everything is done on the phone. So on the phone, I will uh, do the diagnostic, take the pictures for some uh, security audits. I have given some points to the different questions. And so at the end of the audit, I can give immediately a score to my customer and I can quickly export the report in PDF format. It's really a, a great time saver when doing some client work. The next app that I use on my phone is called Mac Tracker. It's a neat uh, free application that uh, gives me the list of all the Apple devices that have been created since the beginning of the company. And that's a great way for me to double check, okay, which, okay, this version of the iMac, the, does it have the USB 3 ports or USB 2 ports still and, and things like that. So it's a, it's a great way to really make sure that I have a, a good understanding of the situation when I visit my customers. The next tool that I use on my phone is linked to another web service called Hushed, H-U-S-H-E-D. Uh, and I discover Hushed because when I created my business, I only had my cell phone number and I wanted to have a, a local Luxembourg um, phone number but I didn't want to buy a new subscription because I already have the landline uh, phone uh, at my house and with Hushed I was able to purchase a local Luxembourg landline number that people can call my customers they can call that number but rather than route it to a real landline, a traditional landline, it will make ring the hushed app on any device. So in my case, it's, uh, it's my iPhone. And uh, the neat thing with hushed is that you can configure it in such a way that whenever you want to, it can go uh, immediately to voicemail. So in some cases, when I don't want to be interrupted, for instance, I will configure Hushed so that it all the calls will go to voicemail. And then I can keep track of who is calling me and they can leave a message as if it was a traditional uh, landline voicemail uh, system. And uh, yeah, it's a great system. It's, it doesn't cost a lot. It costs something like uh, 6 euros per month or the equivalent of um, yeah, 
seven or seven or eight dollars per month for an international number, which is uh, which is uh, okay. The next app that I use on my phone, which is linked also to a service, an online service that we'll talk about more next uh, podcast, it's called Podio. So this is the tool that I have chosen to hold everything about my business. So it's uh, my CRM. It has also the projects that uh, I organize for my business. So this is my online database of choice. And there is a great mobile app for iPhone and iPad. And so it allows me to keep track of tasks that are specifically related to certain projects for my business. The next tool and that I've mentioned already and that I'm using on my Macs as well is called Toggle. So they have a companion iOS app and so I can uh, start a timer for instance on my Mac and then I can stop it on my phone or vice versa. The last app in the operations category is called uh, Boxcript. It is linked to an online service that allows to encrypt files and folders stored on online storage providers like Dropbox, Google Drive and uh, others, um, OneDrive as well. And so the reason why I use the Boxcript app is because some of the data that is stored in Google Drive, I want to protect them uh, further than just two-factor authentication in the sense that even if somebody requests uh, Google to pull data from, from actually my account, the only thing they will get is a gobbledygook because it's uh, fully encrypted. So not only is the content of the files and folders encrypted, but also the names are encrypted, so the folder names and so on. Now, I will talk a little bit more next in next episode how to deal with that on, on the web side of things. But overall, it's uh, really a great a great service and the reason why I have the Boxcrypto app on my phone is that it allows me to have full access to unencrypted uh, data from Google Drive. The next category is uh, travel. Now an app that I learned to appreciate a lot is called Waze, W-A-Z-E, which uh, if you remember was uh, introduced to me by Alex Kellerman in episode one of Macpreneur. I was a bit reluctant to use Waze because I had the impression that you needed to create an account and then for privacy reasons, I was a bit concerned. But I realized that in fact, you can use the application without registering. So you can use it completely privately the only data that they have is obviously your your home address because this is quite handy to say I want to go home. Um, but overall, I I compared it with Apple Maps and Google Maps, 
And surprisingly, Waze is giving me better uh, routes than those two other apps. There is a there is a small road next to my house. It's a it's a shortcut that I use every day, and none of the two other apps ever mentioned to me to go to that route because it's so small at one point there is only one car that can go through that i believe those two apps believe that you cannot uh, go on that road but Waze was uh, the only app that i tested that uh, gave me that uh, that direction so i was uh, positively impressed by uh, by Waze and in addition to that uh, i'm looking forward to iOS 12 because um, with iOS 12 CarPlay will offer third-party uh, apps for directions on the car so for the moment only Apple Maps is allowed to uh, on CarPlay but with iOS 12 Waze and Google Maps will be able to to access CarPlay and, and so I'm really looking forward to to that. Uh, another app that I use a lot is the Luxembourg City app and the reason I, I use it is because they have uh, monitoring, real-time monitoring of parking spaces in uh, Luxembourg City, the capital city of, of Luxembourg. And so whenever I need to visit a customer that is near the city center, I always, before leaving the house, I always look at the app to see the parking spaces situation to decide, okay, which, which parking will I, will I use uh, for, for this uh, specific customer visit. Then when I travel internationally then i use kayak and uh, that allows me also to to prepare the trip to look for cheap flights uh, different uh, routes that i could take uh, some different simulations also you can filter uh, the different uh, routes by uh, duration and, and airport you can specify which airport you want to avoid, uh, for instance. And uh, overall, it's a, it's a great way to manage your trips on the go. What is nice also with uh, Kayak is that it gives you a heads up for your the gate number for your flights. And uh, it's also checking whether flights are delayed uh, or not. The next category is communications so there i use messages and facetime uh, quite a lot then uh, for some of my customers i use uh, whatsapp but it's really a, a handful of customers that prefer to use whatsapp uh, versus messages and uh, the last app in the communications category that i use a lot is called slack uh, that that really is, is great because um, in my case it's the platform that uh, we chose for our mastermind and this is also the platform that uh, that I used when setting up 
the discussion for my uh, BNI uh, group, uh, Business Network International Group. So this is uh, where we we discuss um, in between uh, our BNI meetings. In terms of email communications, my app of choice on iPhone is Outlook from uh, Microsoft. So I really like uh, Outlook because first of all you can protect it with a pin code and a touch ID so you can keep your data private and uh, the other thing that I like a lot is a feature called the focused inbox so it automatically separates what's in your inbox in two buckets there is uh, what it believes is important for you in the focused part of it and then there is an other uh, bucket where with stuff that it believes is uh, less important. And if you couple that with another web service that I will talk about next time called SaneBox, this is really a great combo. So SaneBox coupled with the Outlook focused inbox, you really, really have only what you need to look at in your inbox. Uh, so it's a, it's a great, great app. I've configured it in, in such a way that if I swipe to the left, I archive an email. And if I swipe to the right, then I will flag the email. It's a way also for me to do some, some triage. I rarely reply to an email from my phone. But um, whenever I, I need to do it, yes, it, I like it uh, as a as a iOS app is a, is a great tool as well. In terms of uh, social media, there are only two apps that are accessible on uh, my phone. It's uh, Twitter and Instagram, uh, LinkedIn and Facebook and uh, Snapchat. Those three apps, even though they are on my phone, they appear on my phone, I'm using app offloading so that uh, they are actually not usable immediately if i if i tap on the icon then it will start downloading the app from the app store and then i have uh, enough time to catch myself and and stop the download uh, if i really really need to have access to linkedin for instance or to facebook then what i will do is i will fire up mobile safari and the experience is uh, not great at all so usually i don't stay long on the mobile version or on Safari of those two apps. Finally, the last uh, category of apps that I've chosen is called health and fitness because it's important to be in, in good shape, in physical uh, condition in order to, to run a business. And so the first app that I use a lot on my phone is the activity app, thanks to the Apple Watch. So closing the rings is a, a daily <laughs> motivation. And so with the activity app, it's possible to see your, your, the records and uh, keep track of your achievements. Then the Fitbit app is the, actually the first app that I open on my phone when I wake up because uh, I opened the Fitbit app to synchronize the sleep data from my Fitbit uh, charge too. And uh, the last app in this category 
is called a quick four. It's a Tabata style workout that lasts four minutes. So it's not a lot at all. And it's the succession of eight activities during which um, you do the exercise very fast, as fast as you can for 20 seconds. And then you have 10 seconds of rest. And so with these eight activities lasting uh, 30 seconds, you have a, a nice uh, workout in the morning that only takes four minutes. And uh, I do two repetitions of these four minutes. And overall, you can say that in 15 minutes, you have uh, done some exercise. And it doesn't seem like a lot. And fortunately, it's, it's not a lot. But actually, in terms of um, positive effect, it's uh, really great. I realize that whenever I do this kind of uh, session in the morning, I have much more stamina and I am much more even positive uh, for the day. So that is the, the end of the iPhone 8 Plus part of the, the podcast. In the next part, I will go through the iPad Mini 4. So in terms of specs, it's a 64 gigabyte space gray running iOS 11, the latest version of iOS 11. And the reason why I chose this specific model is that First of all, it fits in my bag, the bag that I take with me every day. Uh, it's just the right size. The, the other model would be too big. So this is uh, the, the same way that uh, I decided on, on the, the size of my iPhone based on the, the size of my pocket. For the iPad, it was based on the bag that I carry every day. And um, the other reason why I went with uh, the Mini 4 is because it's uh, compatible with a split screen on uh, iOS. And so that uh, I like it uh, a lot. In terms of accessories, I have bought the Logitech Focus uh, keyboard case. It's a Bluetooth uh, keyboard and uh, case at the same time. And uh, it's it's really great because the the mini obviously is the the smallest screen is a seven point nine inch screen uh, even or, already the nine point seven inch half of the screen when you put it in landscape mode is taken by the the keyboard but uh, you can imagine that the mini it's uh, it's not good at all so having an, an external keyboard is really great to keep. Uh, the, the, the screen real estate for the text that you want to, to look at or write. There's another accessory that I use with my iPad and it's a fourth generation Apple TV that I use to mirror the screen of the iPad to a TV connected via HDMI. In terms of applications, I will not go to in such a detail as I did with the iPhone. I will only uh, mention those that uh, that I use the most. I like a lot uh, Safari. I use Safari a lot on my iPad mini and the reason is also is because I can do some uh, split screen with uh, two Safari windows side by side. Uh, 
I like Calendar a lot on the iPad because it's uh, much better to have a look at the weekly uh, view on the iPad versus the iPhone. Um, the other app that I use on the iPad mini is uh, Ulysses, so the, the companion app to Ulysses on, on the iMac. And it's a great way to have access to, to the things that I write in Ulysses in a portable format. So to continue working on some text that I started uh, on my Mac. In addition to having uh, G Suite for my business, I actually uh, bought an Office 365 subscription. And so I have access to Word, Excel, PowerPoint. But there is one tool from that suite that I like a lot on the iPad mini, and it's OneNote. So it's my tool of choice to take some notes uh, when I'm uh, in a client meetings or uh, I mentioned already in my uh, BNI, a business networking group. So the, the notes that I will take, I will organize them in, in one note. An app that I use a lot when facilitating training sessions is called P-Clock. And so it's a more advanced timer, I would say. And um, the, the neat thing with P-Clock is that you can define actually uh, thresholds. So let's say that uh, you program uh, one hour and 30 minutes uh, timer. You can say that when only 30 minutes are left, the color will turn from green to yellow, for instance, to give you a warning that there are only 30 minutes left. And you can even then put another threshold. Usually I put it at 5 or 10 minutes. And then the time on the timer will turn red. And so that will uh, let me know, look, the, the session is uh, almost finished. And then unlike most other timers, which stop when the timer reaches zero, that one, this is the reason why I, uh, I really like it a lot, P-Clock actually will continue but give you the negative uh, time. So it will show you how much time you went over the planned uh, timer. And what happens is that uh, in that case, the, the background will turn red and the font will turn black. And so you can really quickly visualize how much you went over the allotted time. Talking about training sessions, there is one kind of workshop that I facilitate during the holidays, especially, and it's uh, iPad coding workshops for children. So I teach children to code, to program, uh, as young as already six uh, years old. So the, the workshops that I create are for children between six and 12. And so for that, I use uh, two different apps on the iPad. I use uh, Scratch Junior for really the, the smallest one. And then I use Tinker 
for children who have a little bit of uh, understanding of uh, scratch programming and uh, those who want to do some programming related to minecraft for instance then um, on the ipad i also use box scripter a lot so this is another way for me to have access to my encrypted files on google drive and that, that's about it really on the on the ipad mini the there is another ipad that i use when i give these ipad coding uh, workshops it's an ipad Air 2 and so because the screen is bigger this is the one that i will use to connect to my apple tv and so demonstrate the different uh, programs that uh, i would like the children uh, to to do and so the ipad mini 4 is really used as a timer in that case and the ipad air 2 is the one that i will be using actively during the workshop and i have older ipads like an ipad mini 1 and a third generation uh, ipad and those two devices i keep them to lend to some of the parents who don't have an ipad for the children for the for the workshop so that's it about the ipad now the last device that i'd like to talk about is a sixth generation ipod touch in 16 gigabyte capacity so the story behind the purchase of this device is that every year we visit uh, my wife's family in the uk and so two years ago uh, while i was there i looked at argos website and i realized that they were having a sale on that specific model and uh, if you remember the brexit uh, situation one of the consequences was that the euro gained a lot of uh, value compared to the, the the british pound and so it was very advantageous to buy uh, this kind of uh, electronic device in the uk at the time the reason why i bought that uh, model in the end was that i wanted to do some public beta testing of ios and the sixth generation ipod touch was the only ipod touch that was compatible with ios 10 at the time and so i was able to beta test ios 10 then ios 11 and now i'm beta testing ios 12 on uh, this device and it's a great because first of all i can have a, a feel for the new features that uh, apple will be releasing soon but also I can provide some help uh, in uh, finding bugs and filing bugs. So this is why actually the, <laughs> the main application that I'm going to mention for the iPod Touch is the Apple Feedback app. The app that Apple has uh, created to provide feedback about the beta version and uh, there were a bunch of bugs that I reported for iOS 11 and I was pleasantly surprised that actually got, I got a reply directly from Apple engineers uh, asking me to, to test um, the next uh, iteration of the public beta because uh, they 
they tried to fix the, the problem that I reported. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's it about uh, the iPod Touch. This is a, a yeah, small uh, tip as well, is that um, in the public beta um, versions, it does not make the difference between the iPod Touch and the iPhone. So it's, it's possible on the iPod Touch to see some of the iPhone features, which disappear when the iOS went, uh, went out of uh, beta version and the normal, normal track. There is another segment that I like to have in, in the show. It's uh, the, the discoveries or the aha moments. And here there are three things that I would like uh, to mention. The first uh, thing that I like a lot is using AirDrop to quickly export screenshots from my iPhone or my iPad to my iMac. So for years I was waiting for iCloud Photo Library to synchronize between my iPhone and my Mac and it was taking ages and then um, the first thing that I did to try to accelerate the process was to log into iCloud.com and download the, the picture from there on my Mac. And then I realized, but wait a minute, there is a technology called AirDrop. And so you can drop the, the picture directly from your iPhone to the downloads folder on your Mac. And it doesn't matter if you have it twice, right? I was, I was worried about having too many copies of the same picture. But in the end, uh, if you want to be productive, if you want to go fast, it doesn't matter to that there will be one version in the Photos app on my Mac and another version on, in the Downloads folder. So that's one, one thing that uh, makes my life uh, much easier since I, I switched to that. Um, similarly, there is a continuity feature that I, I like a lot is the, the ability to open a document in uh, another device while it's opened in the first device. So let's say that I have a Safari page opened on my Mac and I would like to open it on my iPad. If the iPad is close to my Mac, so it's nearby the, the iMac and, and Bluetooth and, and Wi-Fi is activated, then I will be able to, to see that actually there is a tab that, can, that I can open immediately on, on my iPad. And the same with notes. So I can start a note on my iPad or my iPhone and there will be a small icon uh, in the dock on the Mac. And by clicking on that icon, notes will automatically open that specific note. And finally, something that I discovered quite recently, a few weeks ago, is that on the iPhone, in the calls uh, log, there is actually space for maximum 100 entries. So if you scroll down your calls history, you will realize that you cannot go beyond 100. And then the next call you do, it will flush the last uh, entry that you had uh, in that list. And the, the way the, I realized that because I was uh, looking at my phone, uh, the, so my, my phone calls, 
and I wanted to to remember to to retrieve the, the date and time when I contacted uh, a specific customer, and I could not find that that phone call on the list in the list, and that's how I realized, wow, there there is a limitation on how much history you can keep uh, for the phone calls. Um, so in terms of upgrade, the iPad Mini 4 is uh, is great, but it it has one big drawback: it's not compatible with Apple Pencil. And so I was very happy to to see Apple announce earlier this year that the the last version of the iPad, the iPad 6, is compatible with Pencil. So at a very affordable uh, price, it's now possible to have a 9.7 inch iPad compatible with Apple Pencil. And so yeah, there is a, a big chance that before the end of the year. Uh, or beginning of next year, I'm gonna go and and buy the iPad 6 with the Apple Pencil. And uh, in terms of iPhone, well, I changed uh, my iPhone 6 for the 8 Plus uh, last year. At the time, um, I made the decision of, of uh, not buying the iPhone 10 because I was a bit uh, worried of well, it's the first generation uh, of the technology, so there are always some risks that uh, it's not going to work 100% of the time. And second, I was also worried about the, the, the change in the paradigm of not having a, a home button. And because I'm using a lot of Apple devices, a lot of mobile devices, uh, so I'm using, I'm still using my iPhone 6 on the side and I'm still using a lot of iPads and iPod touches. And so having the, the idea that I would need to <laughs> change the, the, the way my brain works depending on, on which device I'm on, that was something that was a bit, uh, yeah scary for me so i decided to pass on the iphone 10. now i realized that uh, when i need to help a customer who has an iphone 10 i'm not that uh, confident and so i was once with a customer i was like wow how do you do uh, these kinds of things and uh, yeah so maybe when when apple will um, will announce the next version of the iphone 10 yeah, I might might be tempted to to buy it uh, and yeah, see uh, see how it goes. So um, I hope uh, this second solo show has been uh, valuable for you somehow. Uh, as usual, all the links will be in the show notes available at macpreneur.com forward slash episode twelve. If you enjoy the show please leave a rating or review by visiting macpreneur.com forward slash iTunes. For questions, comments, or if you'd like to be a guest on the show, please visit macpreneur.com forward slash contact. In the next episode, I'll go through the online services I use the most to run my business and those that also help me put my business as much as possible on autopilot that's it for today and until next time i'm damien schroes wishing you a great day